Come on, church. You got to celebrate life transformation more than that. Come on, give them a shout. That is so awesome. Man, it is so good to be with you again. I, I felt like I had more in the tank from last week, okay? I had more to give you. And I'm excited. Uh, I just want to welcome Church at Home, all of those joining us at our Boynton campus too. Church in the room here at Lake Worth. Can we love on them? Can we show them some love? We're tuning in. Uh, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Josh. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, it's an absolute honor to be on this stage always. I, I don't take it lightly. Uh, I love that Pastor Scott trusts me. I'm a little sleep deprived, so I might say some things today, all right? I feel a little sassy. I was at the women's conference, okay? You ladies, rub, you ladies rubbed off on me a little bit, all right? A little feisty today. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It was beautiful. Uh, ladies, man, can we give a hand for God what all that he did over this weekend? So cool watching our, our, our just ladies, our boss ladies up here leading worship too. I don't know if you were in the room. How many of you ladies were in the room or over at Boyan? Worship was next level. I mean, I, ladies, you put us to shame. I, I was fellas to shame. I was like... I'm voting an all-ladies worship team for a Sunday or two, all right? Girl power, okay? What I didn't love, though, is you guys took both of our bathrooms away here at the Lakeworth campus. Okay? Guys had to get creative to, you know, we were wandering all over the campus. We found restrooms. I'm not saying that we, we didn't do anything anywhere, all right? Not creative like that, but it was so... Amazing, man, to watch what God is doing. Sorry for that. Yeah, she was like, thanks. The lady was like, thanks for that, you know. Sorry. But, uh, man, we're just so thrilled. Uh, I, I, like I said from last week, man, I, th I thought I had just more in the tank to give you guys and, and just got great feedback and response from all of you. Uh, and I'm just, I'm thankful uh, that God was touching your heart, touching your life uh, through what was shared, through God's word. Uh, first of all, I know that's not me. I know that's his Holy Spirit at work. And I want to give him honor, the honor that he's due in this place because God is at work at Journey Church. Do you know that? God is at work. Boyton, if you agree, give a shout of praise over at Boyton at Lakeworth. If you agree, give God a shout of praise in here. God's at work through this place. Church at home. Church at home, if you agree, wake up the house right now and shout them down and, and give God glory uh, because he's just so good. And I'm going to speak to you today. Last week, I, I talked from the idea of, of carrying people to Jesus, right? We looked at the story from Scripture of the four men that carried uh, their paralyzed friend to Jesus, ripped open the roof, right? We talked about the bad idea of what that was, destroying personal property. But they would do anything to get their friend to Jesus. And I boiled down what I believe our call as believers is to a simple phrase, and it's this. It'll be on the screen for you, that we're called to carry people to Jesus and carry Jesus to people. And what I want to do is I want to focus on the second half of that phrase today and talk about the, the privilege and the honor it is to carry Jesus to people. And I'm going to start right there, church, because what I want you to do for a moment before I dive in today can you just remember what a privilege and honor it is to carry your Savior to this world? Like, I think I forget that sometimes. We're caught up in the hustle and bustle of ministry here and life, and we forget what an honor and privilege it is that the God of heaven, his plan A to get the gospel and life and hope and freedom to the world was you and me. Like, like you and me. Like me and you. That's his plan. That's plan A and there's no plan B. I used to tell that to our Journey students all the time when I was student pastor here. We're plan A. The hope of the world is Jesus through his church. Do you know that? 
What a privilege and honor it is to carry him to a lost and dying and broken world. But if we're going to carry him and carry him well to people, I think we need to start with the why. Because some of us might be like, man, and I'll relate with you with this, that sometimes you're like, Josh, I don't like jump out of bed and I'm like, man, I can't wait to just start sharing my faith today. I don't hop out of bed and just start darting towards people with my Bible. And I'm like, hey, do you know Jesus? And do you know where you're going to go? And, and again, we can talk about method and all of that maybe at some other point today. But some of you are like, man, sometimes I lose the why. Like, why, why tell people? Why, why share my faith with others? Why bring Jesus to people? And I think we need to remember, and I set this up last week a bit. We need to remember who people are. And Jesus' descriptors of people, I listed these out last week. But this always will give me the why. This will bring me back to a point of humility, remembering who people are and who I am apart from God. Maybe take a moment and remember who you used to be before Jesus. These are your BC days. These are before Christ. You're like, I don't even want to go back there, all right? Don't bring up that. I'm a new creation. Any new creations in the room or over at Boyton? Yeah, you're like, I'm totally different. My life is radically different. And you can give God praise and glory for that. But remembering that the world around us, what are Jesus' descriptors of them? Remember from last week, lost Blind, spiritually poor, naked, helpless, harassed, like sheep without a shepherd, and actually dead in their sin. I will find the why of why I'm supposed to carry people to Jesus in that, that people are broken. And I want to be more like my Savior each day. And I remember Jesus in his ministry, right? We talked about this last week. He's overlooking Jerusalem, and he sees a, a people, and, and, and he pauses for a moment and gives his disciples this beautiful snapshot into his heart, into his heart for ministry. And he says, boys, my heart's broken, because I'm looking upon a people, and it says that, that compassion filled him. He, he's filled with compassion. And he says, look at them, guys. They're just like sheep without a shepherd. They're scattered. They're harassed. They're helpless, hopeless. Jesus is showing them the why. Guys, why do we carry Jesus to people, and why do we carry people to Jesus? Because they're lost, helpless, hopeless, blind like lost. They don't know where to go. They don't know the way. That's why Jesus said, I am the way. They are blind. That's why Jesus said, hey, I've come to open the eyes of the blind. There's several times in his ministry where the disciples have these aha moments. If you ever need encouragement in your faith, look at the disciples. They were dummies sometimes, okay? They had these moments where Jesus needed to explain things to the nth degree, and it actually says that he allowed their eyes to be open. Why? Because he was opening blind eyes, not only physically, but spiritually. They were poor spiritually, bankrupt spiritually. That's how he describes them. That motivates the church then to say, we need to go save the lost. We need to go open blind eyes in Jesus' name. We need to go clothe people spiritually, physically, all of that. We need to move in compassion towards people. But you're like, Josh, sometimes I don't like people. <laughs> there was like a, a doll, like, oh, do we laugh at that? Do we not laugh at that? I get it, church. Sometimes I don't like people, dude, all right? I feel like the, the society and world around us is making that pretty easy nowadays, too. There's just stuff that drives me nuts all the time. 
I shared last week, I'm becoming a grumpy old man sometimes, all right? But I need to reframe how I see him. Maybe you need to reframe how you see him. Maybe you need to ask Jesus to do a miracle already in your heart today over at Boynton here in the room. God, give me a compassion again for people. Open my blind eyes and let me see how you see. The old song, break my heart for what breaks yours. Everything I am for your kingdom's cause. Mama, that's a throwback right there. Actually, I'm not that old, but that felt like an old throwback. Anyone with me? Little Brooke Frazier? Unreal. Break my heart for what breaks yours. Maybe that's where we start today. But if we move on from the why, we've got to talk about the how, right? We've got to talk about, well, how does that look? How, does it, how do we flesh that out to actually carry Jesus to people? It sounds like a tall order, doesn't it? We're like, what does that even look like? How do we literally flesh that out? And I'm glad you're asking the question, right? Because I, I think I'm going to lead us maybe to an answer found in Scripture here. But how do we do that? How do we flesh it out? Well, well as... We see the world kind of on this, you know, this downward scale of right and wrong and truth, right? We, were, we seem to be making up what we want to make up as far as what we believe and truth. And your truth is good. My truth is good. Right and wrong, morality. I really do believe it's going to be on us to carry people to Jesus. And, and we are to called to be actually carrying Jesus to people because that's the central theme of the gospel, Anyone remember the Great Commission? This is in Matthew 28. I want to read this for us. It's going to be real, real good, hopefully encouraging to us. That this is the central theme of the gospel, actually, to carry Jesus to people, not only to carry them to him, but to carry him to them. Let's read this together, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. It'll be up on the screen. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That's where we pause for a moment. We let the music stop, and we, we, we pause, and we say, okay, all authority. This is such a powerful statement. You know what Jesus was telling the disciples? This is the, by the way, this is the resurrected, went to the cross, died, buried, rose again Jesus. Showed up to the disciples, proving he is God once again. Shows up on the scene about a handful of times that we see him appear to his followers. He's given the last minute instructions because he keeps telling them, although he's resurrected, he's like, I got to get out of here, boys. I got to go see my father. And they're like, whoa, that's not a great plan. Aren't we going to overthrow Rome? And man, a resurrected king? What a cool story that is. No one's going to question you from that point on. Like, let's go to battle with Rome. Let's do this thing. Aren't you going to set us up in your kingdom? James and John are like, yo, we could sit at your right hand and your left hand. That sounds pretty cushy. Like, it sounds like a good deal. Like, what, 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 are, you, what are you doing? He goes, no, boys, I got to leave. Because I have a way better idea. I'm actually going to fill you with me, a ton of you, eventually millions upon millions of you with me, and you're gonna be my representatives to the world. But, but boys, before I do that, you need to know this. All authority, it's been given back to me. I want it back. What he's saying is the devil had a bit of authority. The Bible calls him the prince of the power of the air. There was a certain time before the cross that he was kind of prowling around and doing kind of what he wanted to do. 
Always in check and in boundary with God. We know that from the book of Job. God's always keeping things in checks and balances. But the devil was kind of roaming around, causing some chaos. And then Jesus said, you know what? The prophecy of old, that I'm actually going to crush the head of the serpent. He'll bruise my heel just a bit, but I'm, I'm delivering a death blow to him on the cross. He says, guess what, boys? I did it. Death, hell, sin, and the grave defeated. Now all authority has been given back to me. This is the crazy part, though. He says, therefore, you guys go and make disciples of the nations. You guys go. We know later in Acts that they're actually not going to go until they get empowered by the Holy Spirit because that is key. How many of you know we could have authority, but if we don't have the power to exercise it, it's really worth nothing. So Jesus is so good. He's like, boys, I'm not leaving you alone. I'm going to send a helper. But I want you to know all authority has been given to me. I delivered the death blow to the enemy. He has no authority anymore. We're actually going to go into the world. My plan is to fill you with me. And you're going to go to the world and proclaim the gospel. Let's continue to read. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. What's he saying there, boys? We're not only going to baptize them physically, immerse them in some water publicly, right? We do that here at Journey. But he's like, man, I'm going to immerse these people in the Trinity, in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. These people are going to look like me, walk like me, smell like me, talk like me, do stuff that I did in greater that's another part of the Great Commission. We don't have time to read it all today. But the four accounts of the gospel, we need to really look at all of those one day. That will be your homework of what Jesus told those disciples that they were going to go do. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Verse 20, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And look at the promise. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Why did he include that there? Because he's a good God and he's, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The promises through scripture that we've heard over and over and over. I am the Lord. I'm never going to leave you or forsake you. I am with you always. He repeats that so many times throughout the word. And he's telling his boys that. But it feels contradictory though, doesn't it? Because he's about to leave. He says, no, boys, I'm too good to do that to you. Don't leave Jerusalem until I fill you up with my Holy Spirit. Because I'm going to be good to my word. How many of you are glad that Jesus is a man of his word? He says, don't leave, don't go anywhere until you get filled up by me. Why? Because you're going to go to a lost, blind, broken, naked, helpless, and harassed world, and you are going to represent me. The how. How is this fleshed out? How do we carry Jesus to people? There's three things I got for you today. I'm going to try to be quick. Three things. Here they are. We're going to carry Jesus to people through our presence through our proclamation, and through our platforms. I want to start with presence first. It's actually what I was just alluding to right now. Jesus looked at his boys and said, boys, I'm going to fill you with me, and you're going to go to all the world and represent me. I have a theory. This is, uh, this is from the book of John. I really believe this to be true, if, especially if God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The book of John starts with this epic beginning. He kind of copies some of the language from Genesis that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. So he uses in the beginning, just like Genesis, this beautiful, old, archaic uh, this notion that God in, back in the day is, is creating. In the beginning was the Word, and you're like, well, what was the word? Who was the word? Well, he goes on to explain. The word was with God. The word was God. And a few short verses later, 
and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. You're like, Josh, where are you going with that? Here's my theory. I believe this to be so true, and I believe Scripture supports it through and through, that God's design for the word to become flesh didn't just stop with Jesus. His whole point, in this Scripture especially, the whole idea of the gospel is that the word would still become flesh. Jesus says, I got to leave. I got to go. Boys, but I'm going to be with you to the end of the age. You're like, Jesus, you're not making a ton of sense. What do you mean? By the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to fill you with my presence. That you would be my ambassadors, my representatives to this world. I'm going to fill you with power and authority. So when I said, when I told you to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, God, you're going to have the power and authority to show people what that looks like. The gospel is the most beautiful message of the restoration, not only of us to the Father, sinners to, to a heavenly Father who loves us, but of creation that creation would be brought back to him and put right, that we were to bring his kingdom here and now. That's what he told his disciples to pray. Well, how do we do that? It's through our presence because he's gonna fill us with himself and send us into the world because the word is gonna become flesh, that we would actually become his hands and feet. I, lo I love our go and love uh, team here at Journey. Do you guys love our outreach and our Pastor Amanda and the Kristen and the way that they lead? An amazing, an amazing ministry to watch these ladies do what they do and rally our team and our, our church together to go serve. But I love it. They believe this so firmly that we're actually be, to be called the hands and feet of Jesus, that, that it wasn't just good enough. Jesus said that, that man, I did my work and I'm going to go and now everything's going to be okay. He goes, no, no, no. The world needs to know that there is hope and life and freedom and salvation. That the issues, addiction, pain, struggles that they've carried for too long can be broken in Jesus' name. They can live in freedom that I've come to give them life and life to the full. But he says, I'm going to need a, a bunch of people that get filled with me and carry me to the lost and broken. I love this. I love that Jesus is telling us, man, with our presence, we can actually bring him to people that we're called to represent him several times through Scripture. The goal that God has for us is that we would grow up into the fullness of Christ. That's the words that are used. That we'd grow up, that we would mature a little bit as believers. Some of you guys are like, man, I haven't been growing for years. Maybe God's calling you to take those next steps, to lead groups, to start leading into leadership in your life. Start leading your family. Start leading your spouse and your kids. Maybe you're like, man, I felt stagnant for so long because he's calling you into those places and spaces to grow up into Christ so then we can present him to the world. There's sometimes, though, I feel like in my life too often, I'm giving him Josh and not Jesus. Maybe you're in that place that you're like, I don't present him as I should at times. Ask that he begin to do the work in you now, changing you from the inside out, giving you a heart of compassion to carry him to people. I love this, that Jesus would, 
would meet uh, physical needs and address spiritual needs. I love this, that, that he was on mission constantly, that, that he knew what it looked like. He was modeling that for his disciples to be hands and feet. Jesus knew it'd be hard to listen to a long-winded sermon if people were super hungry, right? Some of you are already like, dude, get this guy off stage. I'm starving. Can't wait for brunch. Can't wait for the next meal. You're already thinking about it. Football's on your mind. Chicken wings are on your mind, right? <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm not gonna keep you too long. What does Jesus do? He feeds 5,000 plus people with a kid's Lunchable. He's like, all right, we gotta, we gotta figure this out. Why? So he could deposit some of the most rich spiritual truth we have in all of scripture to those people. You're like, Josh, what are you saying? We, we live in a society right now where we celebrate the do-gooder but kind of condemn the Christian at the same time. We're like, yo, 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 Christian, don't bring all your religion into this. Let's just, let's like kind of agree to disagree and do some good. That actually flies in the face of what Jesus would tell us. That I cannot separate my good works and my faith. That my faith propels my good works and compels me to do good works. I can't separate them. And what a tragedy would be if I go to meet someone's physical need, but I couldn't address a spiritual need. It's great to do good. It's great to feed people and clothe people. I believe we're supposed to do all of those things, but we can't leave them there. Jesus was so clear with this. Look at Peter and John. This is an old school, man, this is like old school church. I love this. This was a song that Peter and John went to pray. They met a lame man on the way. I'm like rapping it right now, but how many of you guys remember that one? That was, don't make me sing it for you, okay? I'm not going to. I'm gonna stop there. Nope, can't do it. Uh, it's like a kid's rhyme. I mean, it's not even an impressive song to sing, all right? Relax. But it was like, Peter and John went to pray. They met a layman on the way. I think he said, it says he, he put out his palms and asked for some alms, and this is what they had to say. All right? Great. I don't know why you're clapping for that, okay? That was not impressive. Just a killer song, though. We learned that in Sunday school. My Baptist church loved it. Here's what that story proves to me, though. That the do-gooder notion wasn't good enough for Peter and John. They meet this lame man on the side of the road. They see the condition he's in. He says, would you give me money? Would you meet my kind of physical need? Would you meet the need that I have right now? And they go, bro... This disciple thing doesn't pay super good. We don't have a lot of money. Silver and gold, we don't have. What does Peter tell him though? What I do have, what I carry in my presence right now. Are you seeing it? What I do have, I'm gonna give to you. Then he introduced, oh, I love this so much, church. Don't miss this. He introduces Jesus into the equation. He says, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, Rise up and walk, and the man gets up and walks and is healed. What is Jesus showing us? The do-gooder notion of our current culture and society is not good enough. We're leaving people in a place of maybe greater need. How tragic it would be to just give that man some money and say, see you, bud, good luck. Not an unfamiliar scene down here in South Florida, right? Someone reaching out to us, you got a couple bucks, you got some change. What if we stopped and we had eyes to see a greater spiritual need in that moment and brought Jesus into the equation? We're called to present him, to represent him to the world.
I love this. Remember a few weeks back, Pastor Junior preached in our, our scene series, and he was talking about the ministry of presence. I love that. And here's my point, right? That we're to carry Jesus to people by showing up, being present, and representing Jesus. It's not just enough to show up, be present, do the good, do-gooder thing. We actually are called to represent him, to be his ambassadors. I got the privilege to be firsthand kind of witness of this this week. And uh, I, I got a, a friend um, through a, a mutual friend of ours. His name is Maddie. Uh, my close buddy Vinny and him are, are just tight bros. And Maddie and I have developed a relationship over these past uh, months and years, actually. I love this guy. He can make anyone laugh. He's hilarious. Uh, has started to come here to Journey, just growing, getting plugged in. Uh, recently got married, uh, has, has a beautiful baby boy, about five months old, and he called Vinny with some of the most devastating news the other day, kind of shook up. His wife was on the phone. I said, hey, Maddie went in for, um, he had like COVID symptoms, not feeling super well. So he just was like, all right, I'm going to, you know, check it out, get checked out. They, they strap him to a bed, do some tests and things, and it's a couple days in the hospital. And he called, and we, we were kind of riding this roller coaster with him because it was, it was like, dude, are, are you okay? Like, Vinny would call him, FaceTime him. Things, things were not looking great. He looked emaciated, and, and just, it, it looked a little worse than we thought. And come to find out after diagnosis and tests that, that he is uh, very advanced kidney failure. He's in stages of kidney failure. He's a young guy, mid-30s, healthy, out of the blue. He got released from the hospital. This was uh, the night of encounter night last week. And his wife called and, and called Vinny, and she's like, Maddie's just jammed up. He's not in a good place. He, he needs you guys. He's asking for you guys. He's weeping and crying. I asked Maddie if permission to share the story. And she's like, can you guys come right now? And Vinny, it was right after encounter night, made a beeline for me. He's like, bro, Maddie's in trouble. We got to go. And like Batman and Robin, we ran out of here. I did like a hood slide across this car. We're like, we love Maddie. Let's go, dude. We got to carry Jesus to him. Let's go. We were fired up. You know what was so cool, church? This was awesome. I watched a friend of mine become pastor in that moment, and I sat back and watched one of you, a church member, be a pastor to that man in that situation. He walked in the door, talk about presence, the ministry of presence. We just got out of this environment, too, all fired up, jacked up on the Holy Spirit from encounter night. We were like, yes, let's go. Whatever Maddie's struggling with, dude, we're going we're gonna to whoop this thing. I don't know what it is, but let's go. Very Batman and Robin-ish. I want to be Batman in the scenario, but Vinny definitely was this night, okay? We show up to Maddie's house. He answers the door, collapses into Vinny's arms, just sobbing. We held him there for a moment. We showed up, we were present. But the game changer was when we brought Jesus into the equation. We sat on that couch and Maddie began to open up a little bit and he, he, he was having a panic attack for sure, started to calm down. And we began to speak truth after truth to him. I watched Vinny pray over him, address the spirit of fear, called it out by name, because Maddie was just, dude, I'm controlled by this. I can't sleep. I'm freaking out. Like, I'm looking at my baby boy. I think I'm going to die. I think I'm all these things. And he's got a, a pretty good diagnosis, too. Like, he's going to do dialysis. He's on a list for a kidney. Uh, like, it's not a death sentence. And we just reminded him of the truth in that moment. But it wasn't until we brought Jesus into that situation. I remember we were holding hands with him on the couch, both on each side. We called heaven down on that man prayed against the spirit of fear. And when we prayed that God would fill that man up, 
he went limp on the couch and completely rested and relaxed. And we looked at him. We're like, hey, bud, you okay? He goes, bro, I'm having a moment. <laughs> Leave me alone. Don't say anything. I'm just having a moment. And he walked out of there. He goes, guys, I... I feel so much better. I feel like life is back. I feel like I got hope again. I feel like you guys showed up, reminded me. And I was so proud of Vinny in that moment, just, just bringing life into the situation, presenting Jesus. Church, you can bring that. You can do it. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, great. You can clap for that. My point is, though, we weren't any special dudes rolling into there. We just got filled up with the Holy Spirit and counter night, fired up for what Jesus could do, believed that God could meet him in that moment, and that's exactly what happened. I got to rush through these last two. So we, we show up. We bring people to Jesus through our presence. The second is through our proclamation. We are eventually going to have to open our mouths and declare the gospel and declare our testimony to people. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony we're proclaiming the gospel to people. The word became flesh. We cannot forget that he's still the word. We've got to open up our mouths and share that with people. Don't do it in a weird way, please. Don't, don't do it in a bizarre way. That we're yelling at people about, you know, man, going to hell. And they're like, what, what in the world? Like, we're, we're instantly, do you know where you're going to go when you die? They're like, what, are you going to kill me right now? What's happening? Why am I being confronted with that question right now? I'm worried about my bills and I'm worried about my marriage and I'm worried. We're answering questions that people aren't asking. I think a majority of the time. We, we've got very good at that over the last decade in Christian culture. We're just answering questions that people aren't asking. But when we relate our story to them and what Jesus has done in us and the truth of the gospel meets with that, that the word becomes flesh, I'm telling you, our proclamation can carry Jesus to people. We see it. In the gospel, we see it in Ephesians 2. We see this, this beautiful thought that Paul pulls together from the Old and the New Testament. I want you to look at this. Ephesians 1, 22. It says this. We kind of pick up in the, in the passage, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. It's kind of this reference to Matthew and what happened at the Great Commission. And you heard the, the term all. We're talking about all authority. Jesus is like, man, I got the, the principality, the power, the might, the dominion, every name that's named, nothing compares to me. Oh, here we go. I'm getting too fired up, dude. Not only in this age, but the age to come. He said, don't, don't worry, boys. I'm going to be with you to the end of the age. Verse 22, look at this. Put all things under his feet, gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. The plan for the gospel, church, that the hope of the gospel would fill every crack and crevice of our life, every crack and crevice of society, that the hope of the gospel would spread like wildfire in us, that our proclamation, that, that we would proclaim to the world that he has come to set all things right, that he is life and hope. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to him except through the Father that we have the message of hope. Our proclamation, church, can bring Jesus to people. I heard Tony Evans say this recently, a great preacher and author. He said, the problem, though, is that we have too many part-time Christians and not enough full-time disciples. <laughs> I was like, ah, oh, that kind of stung Tony, all right, dude? 
He's a friendly, sweet guy, but when he said that, it hit my heart. He said Jesus' plan was not to make more Christians, but to make more disciples. He used the really strategic word in the Greek. It's methetus. He uses this word because it would have been so common to be used in that culture in that day and age. It was the word essentially for apprentice. We would know it as like an intern or an apprentice. This was someone that followed someone else so closely and learned a trade, a craft, by watching, doing, being part of that person's life and world. It was even used in the rabbinical sense, in a rabbi uh, to, a, to a student or a pupil, that they would follow the rabbi so close that the dust of his feet would kind of get onto them and become who they were through this apprenticeship. He uses this term to show people, hey, it's not just enough, right? To, to, to show up. You actually gotta become like Jesus in your presence, your proclamation to become a disciple, to carry him. It's not just about what we look like here on Sunday, but what we do on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and on and on. Tony said this, what a tragedy it would be to be a Christian on Sunday and then to morph into mold into whatever the world needs us to be on Monday. What a tragedy that would be if we left it there. Church, but we can carry him through our presence, through our proclamation, and last, and I'll wrap up. This is through our platforms. <laughs> and I might step on some toes. Can I tell you this, though? As, a, as a, one of your pastors, I love you. I might say some things right now that are, are, are hard to hear. But I believe that social media and the platforms that we have and Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, TikTok, all of these things, were, I don't think they were meant at first to be this evil thing. But I think us as broken humans, we weaponize these really quickly. And I've seen that creep into the church. And there's nothing more discouraging, I think, as a pastor sometimes that when we see Christians who are very vocal maybe about their faith on a Sunday, on a Monday, blasting people on their platforms. Just no regard, just no restraint whatsoever. And I, I don't want to overstate this either. Like, this is a big deal. Platforms have become how the world sees and views us. Can I just lovingly remind you of a few things? Let me just be one of your pastors for a moment. It's important to remember this. You didn't earn this platform, so be very careful with it. I talked about this a little bit last week, I think to our second service. One of the most dangerous things I think we did was arm everybody with a platform. Anybody and everybody, if you got a face and an email and an age now, you can have a platform. You can weaponize that thing really carefully, but what I wanted to encourage you with, be careful because you didn't earn it. You're like, Josh, what are you talking about? Think about David, King David, shepherd boy, out in the field, Watching sheep, the old prophet who's going to anoint the next king, or next king shows up to the home. Says, all of these strapping young sons you have, Jesse, I'm looking for another one. God's not giving me the go-ahead. So he's like, we got the runt of the litter, and he's out watching some sheep. He's like, go get that guy. So they run to get David, and David, I'm sure, is so pumped. He's like, what, the prophet's here? Like, uh, at least get to see him, kind of interact with him. Like, this is going to be so cool. And little does he know it, he kind of jumps in line with his brothers. And I imagine he closed his eyes. He's like, this is so cool, what's happening? And then felt oil, the anointing oil that the priest would use to signify this is the next king. 
feels it drip down his head. And all of a sudden he's connecting the dots. This is what they do to tell somebody that they're going to be king. What's so awesome about the story though, did they, did they give David the platform right away? Did his elders and the prophets and the, nope. You know what they told him to do? Go back to the field and watch some sheep. Maybe this is for young people in the room or maybe this is for young and old, I don't know. You know what they told a guy with so much promise, so much anointing, so much potential? Hey, go develop that. Go, go be quiet. Go to the field and learn some things. Go fight some battles. Go develop your heart for worship. Go, go, go hone in your skills, your slingshot skills. Give something to the world that matters. Like, we, you, we don't need your opinion yet right now. You gotta go learn some of these things. You gotta go fight some battles that you would have something to give to people. They didn't arm him with a platform immediately. They said, David, go, go learn some things in the field. Because you're going to find a lion and a bear there that you're going to have to defeat. Because one day there's going to be a scarier lion and bear. His name's Goliath. And when you get promoted, not to king, but to messenger boy, that's his next job. He gets to run back and forth to the battlefield and give food to his big brothers. Can you imagine knowing that he's been anointed king? Oh, he's got so much potential. He's got something to say. He's got an opinion on everything. Good, you can be the messenger boy. <laughs> you, can go, you can go give the, the food to your brothers and kind of communicate to home, relay some things back and forth to mom and dad. Cool. But then you're gonna fight a giant that your skills in the quietness of that season you developed become a hero and a champion of the people. Oh, then do I get to be king? Nope. The king currently is actually gonna become super jealous and wanna kill you. You're gonna run for your life. Are you tracking with me, church? You're gonna go through some hard seasons, David. You're gonna go through the dark night of the soul. Well, then can I? He had an opportunity to kill Saul several times and didn't take it. Why? Because David was so responsible with his platform. Wasn't going to force himself upon it either. You're like, Josh, what are you saying? <laughs> what I'm saying is it's kind of like people who give you parenting advice who don't have kids. You're like, great, thanks. <laughs> Appreciate it. Sometimes we don't always have to say the thing. We don't always have to post the post. Some of us carry our political party more than we carry Jesus. We carry our big opinion more than we carry our Savior. We got to have the last word. I laughed. I chuckled with my dad this week. My dad got into it on, on Facebook with one of my young cousins. She's like 22, still wet behind the ears. I'm like, Pop, what, what are you doing? He's like, I don't know. I just kind of flew off the handle. I'm like, exactly. Careful. You can't get those words back, though, now. They're out there. Because we got to be careful with a platform that we didn't necessarily earn. Second thing is this. You don't always need to post that. I capitalized that, okay? You don't always need to post that. You're like, Josh, what is that? You know what that is, Okay. You ask the Holy Spirit what your that is, all right? 
And guess what? Nine times out of 10, you probably don't need to post it. You probably don't need to get into the fray and you're like, well, Josh, what about? What are you carrying? What matters most to you? But Josh, I need to say, maybe you don't. Maybe you don't need to post that. And lastly is this, you already saw it, but your post is actually a proclamation. What do you mean? You're, you're preaching some form of the gospel when you're proclaiming these things. Well, Josh, explain that. Okay, when you're, when you're carrying your political party instead of Jesus, you're telling the world that your political party is your savior, not your Jesus. I'm not, I'm not looking to that or any man in this world to save me because I already had a man do it 2,000 years ago and he died on a cross and he split time in half when he did. Be careful because you're carrying, you're carrying something. But what is your presence? What is your proclamation? And what are your platforms tell you that you're carrying? Maybe you could post a little bit more about your faith. And not these posts, by the way. This drives me crazy. Share this in 30 seconds. It's like a picture of Jesus, like saving the whole world. Share this in 30 seconds or you don't even believe and you don't even really love Jesus. Please stop sharing those, okay? <laughs> Nothing drives me more insane as a pastor. I'm like, no. And then what if I didn't see it for like hours? Then I feel some weird guilt. Like, oh, I didn't do the 30 second thing and stop it, okay? How about this? Here's a cool challenge. What if, what if you just share today's service? What if, you, what if you share the go and love stuff that just happened? What if, what if you share your testimony on your Facebook feed? What if you get down there and tell people, man, I, guys, Jesus has changed my life. I don't have all the eloquent words for it, but what I'm gonna tell you is this, is that my presence and my proclamation and my platforms will carry Jesus to people. What would it look like, church, if that's what we decided as a collective church together, Boyan and, and church at home, what would it look like in your, in your life, in your sphere of influence? Because all three of those things are saying something. And church, as one of your pastors, I wanna challenge you, carry Jesus to people in those three ways. Let's pray. Bow your heads, close your eyes all over this place. Father, we love you and we are so thankful, Lord, the privilege, the honor it is to carry King Jesus to this world. Lord, a greater kingdom than anyone has ever experienced, Lord, lives inside of us, Lord. You said your kingdom would take residence. Your kingdom would be among us and in us and working through us, Lord. You called us to pray, your kingdom come and your will be done. God, through our presence. By the way that we love and serve, Lord, we would not just be content with being hands and feet, but being the very presence of Jesus in these people's lives, Lord, bringing him into the equation, hope and truth and life. Lord, would our proclamation, would our words be so uh, carefully chosen to love and build up and bring life? Would we remember that life and death are in the power of our tongue in the power of our proclamation. And Jesus, would we be so careful with platforms that we didn't really earn, that were just given to us? Would we not post the thing that would do damage, but rather post the thing that would bring life and encouragement? Or just post about our kids and puppies, like that would be great too. 
Jesus, we love you, Lord. Make us more like you. That is our heart's cry today. We pray that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.